Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. It's a terrific multimedia website, good for kids of all ages, including you and I. Again, HistoryCentral.com. We'll also be speaking with John Miltimore. John is the editor-at-large for Fee.org. It's the uh, website for the Foundation for Economic Education. And we'll visit with uh, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of many murder mysteries. Uh, We'll visit with Jim as well. It is October the 23rd, and on this day in 42 B.C., Marcus Junius Brutus, a leading conspirator in the assassination of Julius Caesar, died by suicide after his defeat at the Second Battle of Philippi. Two years before, Brutus had joined Gaius Cassius Longinus in the plot against the Roman dictator Julius Caesar, believing he was striking a blow for the restoration of the Roman Republic. However, the result of Caesar's assassination was to plunge the Republican, uh, the Roman world, into a round of civil wars with the Republican forces of Brutus and Cassius vying for supremacy over Octavian and Mark Anthony. After being defeated by Anthony uh, in the Battle of Philippi, Greece in October... Uh, 42 B.C., Cassius killed himself on October the 23rd. Brutus' armed army was crushed by Octavian and Anthony at a second encounter at Philippi, and Brutus took his own life. Anthony and Octavius soon turned against each other, and in the 27 B.C., the Roman Republic was lost forever with the ascendance of Octavian as Julius Augustus Caesar, the uh, first emperor of Rome. So uh, history does repeat itself. Good intentions, uh, uh, the road to hell are paved with uh, good intentions for sure. These guys trying to save the Republic ended up destroying it. Well, U.S. stocks uh, closed lower on Friday. The 10-year Treasury yield hit 5% for the first time since 2007. The biotech sector has slumped in a post-pandemic world as declining demand for COVID-19 vaccines pummels the market values of once high-flying firms like Novavax, Pfizer, and Moderna. It's good that people are discovering that these uh, vaccines can be very harmful. Well, Representative Byron Donalds announced that he will run for Speaker of the House. He's our representative in uh, the U.S. Congress. House Republicans have paralyzed themselves over the past few weeks. They've been unable to find a new Speaker following the ousting of Representative Kevin McCarthy uh, from the position. Subsequent efforts to replace him with House Majority Leader Steve Scalise and Representative Jim Jordan have failed. Donalds is now presenting himself as a candidate along with eight others. As a member of this conference... I've seen firsthand the devotion of my colleagues to improving the lives of their constituents and the future of America, he wrote in a statement shared on X. We've come from uh, different walks of life, but share a common pursuit of more perfect union, he added. As Speaker, every voice in our conference will have a seat at the table to ensure our unity and consensus on the legislative battles we face. While stressing his ability to hear out his more centrist colleagues, Donald's also touted his conservative credentials. My sole focus will be securing our border, funding our government responsibly, advancing a conservative vision for the House of Representatives and the American people, and expanding our Republican majority, he added. The Florida Republican also mentioned a number of records he would set if elected, such as being the first black speaker and the first speaker from Florida. Donald is seen as one of the more conservative members of the Congress, meaning he will face difficult winning over centrist Republicans. Having only served in Congress for three years so far, he will also face scrutiny over his level of experience. I know uh, Byron uh, and his family extremely well. I was actually his first campaign manager when he ran for the United States Congress probably a decade ago. 
In any event, he's a very good man, extremely intelligent, extremely well-spoken, knows the Constitution like the back of his hand, and I highly recommend uh, Byron Donalds as the next Speaker of the House. We'll see how it goes. He's got eight other competitors, but uh, you know he'd be a good choice. And a, and a good, uh, I think, he would bring people together. He has the capacity for listening to those he doesn't agree with. Well, the House GOP conference voted uh, via secret ballot in a closed-door meeting on Friday to remove Jim Jordan as the speaker designate after he lost three rounds of voting for House Speaker. Uh, Jordan, as chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, came up short in the third round of voting on Friday for Speaker of the House. Jim uh, Jordan is out of the race, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia said. And after the House GOP conference met on Friday, we're supposed to come back for a candidate forum on Monday at 6.30 p.m. Uh, Jordan addressed the media after the meeting. We need to come together and figure out who our speaker is going to be. He said, I'm going to work as hard as I can to help that individual so that we can go on with that and help the American people. Uh, Rep- Representative Matt Gates, who introduced the motion to vacate the chair that uh, led to the former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's removal, reacted to the vote to remove Jordan on social media platform X. The most popular Republican in Congress was just knifed in an anonymous vote in a secret closed-door meeting in the basement of the Capitol, he wrote. This is the swamp at work, he said. He's absolutely right. Uh, why does this have to be secret ballot, and why does it have to be anonymous? The phone lines are lighting up in the Capitol, calling representatives, asking them to vote for uh, Jim Jordan. But they were afraid uh, to vote for Jim Jordan, and so they decided they would do it on secret ballot. Uh, Cowards, in my opinion, and uh, not the the, uh, brightest moment for representatives on Capitol Hill, for these people who wanted to make sure their vote was not known by their constituents. Representative Troy Nels of Texas told reporters he plans now to vote for former President Donald Trump for Speaker. Representative Brian Fitzpatrick called for the eight conservatives that voted for the motion to vacate the chair and remove McCarthy to be held accountable for causing the current situation. So my comment on that is that the current situation, that's that's the way democracy should work. Our republic is with differences and fighting it out and finding a common ground ultimately, as opposed to how uh, Nancy Pelosi ran the House. Uh, she simply ran it with an iron fist, uh, much like a dictator. And uh, I would prefer to see the chaos and disagreement. And I'd like to see it in public and no more secret ballots in the basement of Congress. Here's another quote. Every single person that voted to punish bipartisanship ought to be held accountable. Uh, everyone, he said. Everybody needs to be abundantly clear that we have a speaker who put in a two-party bill on the floor to avert a government shutdown, and he was punished for it. That's the worst message you can send to America. That's actually a pretty pleasant message. I was pleased with it. Uh, if you make an agreement with, uh, the, with your constituents, which would be the members of the Congress, and you violate that agreement and don't follow through, you shouldn't be Speaker of the House anymore. Let's get the next one in and make sure that we follow regular order and get a budget in place for the first time in 25 years. Meanwhile, Democrats event- evidently see the House GOP delay as an uh, advantage in their next election. Mega House Republicans' self-inflected chaos and chronic inability to govern stands in stark contrast to President Biden's strong and steady leadership <laughs> as this critical moment for global security. That, according to Amar Mosa, spokesperson for President Biden's 2024 campaign. Unbelievable. He actually said that. Well, the Senate Senate, uh, Sergeant-at-Arms this weekend warned congressional lawmakers and staffers to take precautions amid a cries in crime, including armed robberies and carjackings on Capitol Hill and throughout Washington, D.C. The warning came in a bulletin Friday that also offered tips on how to reduce the risk of being carjacked one day after a Senate staff member was robbed at gunpoint and weeks after a uh, House member was carjacked. The suggested tips included avoid traveling alone when possible. Now, I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, Bethesda, Maryland. It was, Washington, D.C. was such a safe place. There was about uh, two square blocks during the 70s, which were very dangerous. But aside from that, it was a great place to live and a great place to grow up. And uh, now, because of how uh, defunding the police and all these moves, uh, we now find that crime is... Uh, 
running rampant in Washington, D.C. and other places in the United States. Shouldn't be that way. Well, U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin on Friday agreed to temporarily pause a gag order she imposed on former President Donald Trump while he appeals the decision. Uh, Chutkin on Monday issued the order prohibiting him from publicly attacking the court staff, the prosecution, and any potential witnesses. The judge is overseeing special counsel Jack Smith's January 6th case against the former president. Trump has vocally accused Smith of pursuing a political witch hunt against him to derail his 2024 White House bid, and that's exactly what's happening. So he's being censored for telling the truth. Trump's legal team has appealed Chutkin's order to the D.C. District Court and asserted in Friday court filings that Trump had not unlawfully threatened or harassed anyone. By restricting President Trump's speech, the gag order eviscerates the rights of his audiences, including hundreds of millions of people and citizens who the court now forbids from listening to the Trump's uh, thoughts on important issues, they added. The judge gave Smith's office until Wednesday to file any objection to, to the pause. <clears throat> Chuckin's decision comes on the same day as Judge Arthur Egeron, who is overseeing the civil fraud case against Trump and his businesses, imposed a $5,000 fine on the Florida president and threatened to hold him in contempt of court for violating unrelated, an unrelated gag order. Can you believe that? Uh, Ergon has uh, barred Trump from publicly attacking his court staff and ordered him in that he delete a post that featured an image of a court clerk that referred to her as Schumer's girlfriend. Trump deleted the post, but the message remained archived on his campaign website for weeks. Make no mistake, future violations, whether intentional or unintentional, will subject the violator to far more severe sanctions, which w may include steeper financial penalties, holding Trump in contempt, of course, and po possibly imprisoning him, which I think would just increase Trump's popularity with his constituents. Well, former President Trump has plans to be in Florida on the night of the third Republican debate, but he'll not attend the rally or attend the uh, the uh, debate, he's going to do his own rally. Trump made the announcement on his social media platform on Truth Social. Uh, the rally will uh, happen hours before the debate on November, November the 8th, but it will likely run through its end. The debate is scheduled for less than a year before the uh, 2024 general election. Despite the frontrunner of a uh, Republican nomination for president, Trump did not attend either of the first two debates. And now Vivek Ramaswamy has said he's thinking about not attending the debate as well. And Mike Pence, he didn't qualify for the date. Uh, they share, there's a picture of him uh, speaking to 15 people at a pharmacy. <laughs> he, is, he's, he has no prayer. I don't know why he continues to stay in the race. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of historycentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Mm -hmm. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. I hope you'll check it out. He's also living in Tel Aviv right now and uh, uh, right in the well, right, right in the midst of all the chaos that's going on with regard to Hamas. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. Well, let's start off with the topic of Israel and what's happening right now. Uh, okay, so for at the moment, it seems to be a period of, of waiting, so to speak. Um, the number of rockets that Hamas was able to fire has gone down considerably. They, by all estimates, have, are beginning to run through their arsenal, but still have some left to go. So here in Tel Aviv, it's been 48 hours since we've had the last um, rocket attack on, on Tel Aviv. Um, well, that doesn't mean we, won't, we can't get one at any time. There was one at some other communities a little while ago. Uh, the ground forces are ready for their assault on Gaza. They have not done so as of yet. There are various theories as to why not, um, ranging from the fact that the Biden administration is asked to wait in order to try to arrange additional hostage releases to the fact the army is trying to prepare in a better sort of way, to the fact that Netanyahu, is always a, Netanyahu has been known to be someone who's always afraid to take decisive action. So those are the different possibilities. Uh, the Hamas did something intelligent on Friday night by, allowing, by releasing two hostages, two American hostages, and sort of giving like a taste. Hey, you see what we can do? We can release two. Uh, but they have so many hostages, they could be releasing them for, for months or years, a little bit at a time. In the yeah. meantime, the 300,000 troops sitting around the borders waiting to assault. Um, there's almost nobody in this country, with very few exceptions, who doesn't think that a ground assault, however terrible, is the only choice that Israel has at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, um, there's the sense I mean, there's no other way of eliminating Hamas's rule in Gaza, and there's no way to maintain a country at this point with Hamas in power. So, Mark, just um, a, a couple of comments. Uh, first of all, I just wonder if it's not a strategic decision to delay the uh, march into uh, Palestine, into the territory, uh, just to keep everybody on edge, perhaps people may be letting down their guard after a while. I, it, it, I think it could serve the purpose of uh, a strategic win. Maybe, but there are two problems with that, of course. And the, and the, cons the first concern is um, the troops can't stand there for, forever. Don't forget, we've mobilized all of our reserves, yeah. 350,000 men. They're not working, uh -huh. right? Yeah. And there are also 200,000 internal refugees, the 200,000 Israelis who have left their homes because it was not safe to be there. Uh -huh. So you're talking right there, half a million people in a country of nine million. Mm -hmm. So you can't maintain this forever. I mean, yes, you can maintain another, another week, another two weeks, but keep in mind the operation itself is not going to be quick. So delaying it becomes problematic. It also becomes problematic having so many just troops in the, in the field for such a long time waiting. It's not... Yeah pleasant to be sitting, you know, you're a reservist, you're called up, you're not on a base, you're sitting basically, 
you know, in uh, out in the field waiting for waiting for movement. You can't go home for the weekends because you're you're in that situation. Yeah, it makes, so, that makes sense. The other the other uh, rumor that I'd heard or, or report is that with three hundred sixty thousand troops, the uh, Israelis are ill-equipped. They don't have all the equipment they need in order to engage. No, nah, that's a little bit of, and that was true in the first week or two. You know, the first week because they called up everybody so quickly, and it was like one hundred and twenty percent of the people called up showed up. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't enough equipment. You know, in that first week, there wasn't enough of this. You know, in different places, there was shortage of different things. But that's basically all been sorted out at this point. There are no combat troops that aren't fully equipped for combat at this point. Great. So that's not so much so much the case. Wonderful. Um, look, there is the case, again, there's the hostages, and it becomes an impossible situation because the realization is once you start the ground assault, the only way to um, get the hostages out is by a rescue attempt. Mm -hmm. Now, the insertion of ground troops offers you all sorts of opportunities you might not have otherwise because it'll be possible to find them possibly and be harder for Hamas to track whether you have people there and all those sort of things. On the other hand, Gaza is a myriad of tunnels underground, and I don't know that we know where, maybe you know where some of them are, but you don't know where all of them are. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very dangerous thing. So people, you know, on one hand, there's a lot of pressure amongst the families of the hostages to do something. But to do something, what does that mean to do something? Because yeah. from what all I can tell, um, Hamas wants to string it out. They have no interest in, in solving the, the hostage situation. Even if they were to get all they wanted, yeah. and then what? then they don't have hostages anymore, and Israel's free to attack. Uh -huh. So it's it's a difficult situation, however you want to look at it, right. um, because you don't want to, you know, it's 200 hostages, 210 at this point, and there's still the 200 people who are unaccounted for. So uh, either way, it, it's a bad choice. Um, but you have to make the choice at some point, and uh, that's, that's really where the problem is. And then you have the second factor, which is, of course, Hezbollah and Lebanon, uh, that has until now basically been annoying. I mean, annoying in the sense it's killed a couple of soldiers in the course of its being annoying, but has made it so far clear that it's not interested in a full war with Israel. And Israel is certainly not interested in that war, to be quite honest with you. It would be very costly just because Hezbollah has 120,000 uh, rockets and missiles, and many of them are long-range and some of them are smart missiles that while Israel may or may not have defenses uh, to deflect them, uh, some of them will clearly hit uh, critical targets. Um, and as fast as Israel can destroy all of Lebanon, it's not really, Israel doesn't want to destroy all of Lebanon, but it's made it clear that basically that's what it'll do if Hezbollah uh, gets into a full war with us. See, that, that, so, uh, that's a point that I had not heard. Uh, you'd, you'd said that... Uh, uh, Lebanon or Hezbollah doesn't have an interest in engaging Israel in war. They're just these little skirmishes or perhaps uh, don't have anything to do with their uh, uh, their intent. Can you clarify? I mean, it, it seems to me if they're fighting... Yeah, fight so, so what, they, what they're trying to do is, is twofold. One is they're trying to take some of, our, uh, <clears throat> some of our eye off of Gaza. I mean, clearly, look, there's a question of how much of this is all directed from Iran, and Hezbollah directly gets its marching orders from Iran, the Hamas a little bit less so, but they've got a lot of support from Iran. Mm -hmm. um, keep in mind that, but the Hezbollah also plays a different game because it's a significant political player in Lebanon. Now, Lebanon itself has been in tremendous economic difficulties, mostly caused by Hezbollah in one way or another, mm -hmm. um, especially when their warehouse of arms blew up, uh, leveling part of the port a couple of two years ago. They never recovered from that. Yeah. Um, but... Um, the Lebanese um, don't want to get dragged into a war, uh, but if Hezbollah opens a war, then they'll be dragged into this war, which they don't want. Um, but again, you know, there's the issue of you know who was who else is pulling pulling the strings. Like I said, how much is Iran involved? Um, on I guess it was Friday night, um, the Houthis, which is the Shiite Iranian-backed group in Yemen, fired four missiles and. Uh, 14 unmanned uh, aircraft aimed mostly at Israel, but possibly at Saudi Arabia as well, and at some American targets, all simultaneously. Hmm. And primarily a U.S. Navy destroyer in the Red Sea downed almost all of them, but I think the Saudi Arabian air defense downed a few as well. 
So you have the Houthis directed by Iran trying to, and they've admitted the fact they were firing at Israel. So are the Houthis so, uh, funded by uh, Iran as well? Yes, absolutely funded by Iran. They're totally a Shiite group, totally funded by Iran. Huh. They've been having a civil war within Yemen, backed by the central government, which has been supported by the Saudi Arabia. So the head of the Hydra here happens to be Iran. You know. Yes, it's clearly the head of the Hydra. There's no question about it. Um, you know, like the, the, the single biggest mistake uh, that uh, President Bush did was he went into Iraq instead of Iran. Yeah. But that's ancient history at this point. Nothing we can do about it. Yeah. I should mention also that American bases in Iraq um, and Syria have been attacked in the last couple of days by Iranian-backed uh, militants. So it's gotten complicated, to say the least. Can this spread uh, into a regional war? Yes, it could. I mean, it depends, it depends on what you define as regional war, obviously. I mean, if Hezbollah starts, you know, getting deeply involved, then it becomes a regional war. Yeah. Will Iran get involved directly? Look, the U.S. has presented a pretty powerful uh, deterrent at this point, and while it's not clear the U.S. will intervene if Hezbollah intervenes, but it's sort of threatened to, but it's made, it's made it explicit that if Iran gets directly involved, then the United States will intervene. And... Um, U.S. has a tremendous amount of firepower at this point in the area, with more even on the way. Right. Uh, President Biden was here on Wednesday, I think it was, and he did quite well, giving a bunch of speeches that were very well received by the Israeli public, and being the one thing that everyone agrees he does very well, being very empathetic, and he met with the families of the hostages and some of the survivors of the attack, and he played empath empathetic in chief uh, quite well. And um, so, Mark, uh, his... oh, we need to just take a little break. Can you stick around? Absolutely. Bob. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratospel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Changing lives through exceptional theater experiences, and you can find out more and get tickets to some great performances coming up. The website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be uh, visiting with John Middlemore. He is the editor-at-large for the uh, fee.org. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Mark is in Tel Aviv. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. 
My pleasure. So, so, Mark, any thoughts or uh, concluding comments before we move on to other things that are going on in the world? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the big question right now is when the ground assault <clears throat> will begin. I think there's no question it will happen, but when it will happen, and if, is there any chance of Hamas releasing an additional uh, hostages? Um, it's unclear. It, you know, this will become clear the next day or two because the situation can't remain static forever. And one additional question, though. Uh, apparently, uh, Egypt is not offering uh, uh, the opportunity for pe- people to come into Palestinians to come into Egypt. But what what are the what is the solution to the uh, to the citizens of uh, Palestine, the Palestine territory? It really, that's the problem. The problem of Gaza has been an ongoing problem since the very beginning. Uh, the Gaza residents, a lot of them, were original refugees from the 1948 war. Uh, when Israel signed a peace agreement with Egypt, with Sadat in 79, he did not want the Gaza Strip back. Israel was, be ha- was happy to give it to him, but he did not want it back hmm. uh, because he didn't want to deal with it. So it's an, almost an intractable problem. I mean, look, what, what Gaza needs, Israel pulled out of Gaza and got Hamas. What Gaza needs is a forward-looking government that's willing to care for its people and instead of building rockets... Uh, build factories, right? Uh, you know, hopefully, the, the one hope of all of this is if Hamas, Hamas has always been the group that has tried to stop peace all the way through from the period of time all the way back when uh, Yitzhak Rabin was assassinated. They uh, engaged in a whole bunch of terrorist activities immediately afterwards, which doomed the candidacy of Shimon Peres, who was, you know, following in Rabin's legacy. Um, he was defeated by Netanyahu, uh-huh. who was a right-winger at the time, because of the uh, because of all of the bombings that the Hamas uh, took part in. And so from all the way back then, they've done everything they can to stop the peace process, because that's what they don't want, is peace. So if they can be removed, maybe there'll be a chance to making progress, um, but it'll take a, few, take a number of years. The, um, it'll take a while for the pain of what took place here in the last, uh, in two weeks ago, uh, to dull a little bit and people to be ready to make peace because it's not easy at this point. It's well, and it also ta- it's going to take some leadership on the part of the uh, Palestinian people to... Right, we need some leadership there. We absolutely need some leadership, a new generation of leaders. There's no sign of that. Right. And um, that's what part of the problem. So, so Marco, uh, the situation in Israel has uh, sucked a lot of the energy into the news cycle, uh, but uh, we still have this uh, issue of Ukraine and Russia. Can you give us an update? Sure. So, the Ukrainians have made progress in one area. Um, they've slow, but it's so slow. They make very, very slow incremental progress. What they have made more progress in actually is their long-range attack, attack both by using American missiles and commando raids in Crimea, so much to the fact that the uh, by making Crimea a very difficult place for the Russian fleet, the Ukrainians have actually regained control of much of the Black Sea. Mm. And so they're able to send their sh- ships with grain to the Black Sea because the Russians have been forced to withdraw. Mm. So that's been a, a big area of, of progress. The Russians have tried an offensive in the north, and the Russians, as the nor- Russians keep on being, they just keep on throwing more men and men more and more men at this uh, at this offensive, and the Ukrainians basically keep on killing them. They make no progress, and they lose probably a thousand or two thousand men in the last couple of days, and they attempted some sort of offensive. Hmm. Uh, so it's not a stalemate, um, but things moving very slowly. Uh, but um, they're holding them back, and they're making slow, slow but steady progress against the Russians. But it's slow; it's slow going. Offensive operations are much more difficult than defensive operations. It kind of also raises the issues about the regional uh, partnerships that are going on, Russia and uh, China. And North, North Korea and Iran. I mean, it's a with some involvement of the Chinese. Yeah. So, yes, it's clearly, look, <laughs> we used to talk, they used to talk about the axis of evil, um, which was Iran, North Korea, and I forgot who the third country was. I guess it was Iraq. Um, I think that was the axis of evil. Well, now we have a clear axis of evil, which is Russia, uh, North Korea, and Iran. Yeah. A clear axis of evil. And um, it's up to the United States to lead the Western world, which it's done rather, relatively well. 
Europe has woken up. There's no question Europe is spending way much more on defense than they ever did before. NATO is a much more active force than it's been. Um, but it's a long time in coming. Absolutely. Uh, what's going on in Australia? Australia was an interesting case where there was a uh, referendum to give the indigenous to Australians, in other words, the the equivalent of the, the Australian in, Indian, Indians, the people who were there before, the Aborigines, before the uh, before it was settled, a special status in the uh, Australian Parliament and constitutionally give them a special status. And um, it was rejected overwhelmingly in a vote. So that's, that's solved, that di- direction of solving the problem has disappeared. It's going to leave a lot of unhappy people, um, but that's what the Australian people decided to do, so we'll see where that goes. Sounds like a good decision. I, I can't give a, an opinion on it because I don't really know all the... De- I mean, I followed it a little bit, but again, I'm not Australian and I didn't follow all the, the internal details, but I, there was a lot of pluses and minuses, let's put it that way. Absolutely. So. Again, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCenter.com. Really check out the website. Uh, Mark also publishes his books on that uh, website. They're available. Uh, rich with history, and I encourage you to visit HistoryCentral.com. Mark, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with John Millimore. He is the editor-at-large for Fee.org. It's the very robust website for the Foundation for Economic Education. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I just want to remind you that Wednesdays through Saturdays, 4 to 8 p.m., Lulubee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center is serving a great menu for dinner. Uh, It's just uh, really a great value, and I just encourage you to stop by Lulubee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center, Wednesdays through Saturdays, 4 to 8 p.m. We have with us John Middlemore. He is the editor-at-large for Fee.org. John, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure, John. Tell us about Fee.org. Yeah, our education, uh, or our uh, organization was, was started in 1946, 
and its purpose was really just to bring you know basic economic education and uh, you know ideas on economic liberty and individualism um, to the next generation. We've been doing that for you know several generations now, and, and hopefully we'll be doing it several generations more. Absolutely, and per- yeah, it's just so inspiring to see young people encouraged by the freedom and uh, responsibility and so forth. It's just a terrific organization, fee.org, F-E-E.org. So, John, you wrote a couple of columns, and the first one is so interesting. AMC's Taylor Swift deal fulfills theater chain's wildest dreams, and here's how. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, that was an article that appeared in Fox News here a couple weeks ago. Um, it, it's interesting. AMC has had a really tough run, and like you know, a lot of theaters, it got really beaten down during the pandemic. Um, you know, people weren't going to movies. Um, it you know, even a couple months ago, it, it really looked like AMC was probably going to go bankrupt. Yeah. Um, its stock price had had plummeted. They had a, a twenty to one reverse stock split. Um, but it's had a bit of a rebound, and Taylor Swift has had a lot to do with that. Um, you know, a lot of people know just, you know, she's kind of an economic powerhouse. We've heard a lot about that. And some of these, you know, really figures about $5 billion in, in GDP. But I thought this was interesting because it's a really tangible demonstration of, of, of her economic power. Um, her era's tour has been making lots and lots of money. Um, but the Swiss family was negotiating a deal with, with Hollywood Studios, and they didn't like the deal. Um, and, and for those who don't know, studios tend to take a, a really, really high percentage of, of, of profits on movies, especially during the first couple of, of weeks. And uh, sometimes, you know, between 80 and 100% for those first couple of weeks. And, and the family said, well, you know, we don't like that. And they reached out to AMC and decided to, to do the, the movie without, without the studios. Um, and they came up, came up with their own sort of formula for how the, the profits were going to be divvied up. Um, and the film has done great, and it's been really a lifeline for AMC. Um, you know, so far, I think Ayers has, has brought in $130 million in the U.S. box office um, alone. And, and international numbers will come out, I think, this week and, and will be much bigger. Um, and it, it, to me, it was very interesting because it shows, you know, movie stu- studios are kind of a little tired. Um, they're, they 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 have the union angle, like where they don't have the flexibility, and it shows there are other avenues for for creators to kind of cut studios out and to 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 bring their content to to audiences w- w- without the distribution of studios. So we'll see if this is a new model, maybe going forward for creators, whether it's musicians or even independent filmmakers. You know, I can, I can relate to this because starting a podcast, of course, you break away from the typically that's the radio stations that are distributing content. Well, you know, the, the internet creates this wonderful wide world of opportunity right now. Of course, developing an audience is a different thing, but uh, uh, this might be the the, the future. Uh, it's kind of a creative destruction thing of taking the uh, the uh, the big uh, big houses, Disney and others, out of the picture and uh, just going straight to distributors. No, that's exactly what I thought. It, it, it is funny, you know. It, it's it's the beauty and uh, of, of capitalism. It's also, as you say, creative destruction. The, the Schumpeter style destruction that we see. Other stuff gets knocked out, and but sometimes that's not always bad. People always look at change as, as sort of this 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 violent or ugly thing, but but oftentimes the, the change it ushers in is better. And, and in this case, you know, I think it would be. Studios have had, you know, they've had their time. They've been powerful for a long time. We'll still have them. Yeah. But, you know, whenever I see a, a new model like this emerge, like to me, I'm kind of excited by it. Me and um, I'm sure as, as content creators, independent filmmakers, you know, I, I think we'll see other people look at this and, and try to take advantage of it. Absolutely. Well, it's it's a financial. Yeah, everybody won wins in this situation. AMC won. Right. Taylor Swift won. I mean, everybody was a winner under the circumstances, except for, of course, the uh, the uh, big houses like Disney. Except for the studios. Except for the studios. So, uh, before I let you go, you also read another piece about Martin Scorsese and the, and the movie Disney and China don't want you to see. This is such an interesting story and telling the story about how much China plays a role in Hollywood's distribution of uh, of uh, stories. Yeah, you know, I've been a Martin Scorsese fan for years. Like, I, I it's hard to say which one's my favorite. I love Casino. <laughs> Um, Goodfellas, and you know, the, the party he's done so many. This, this movie, Kundun, I'd never heard of. Right. Um, and, and there's a reason for that. Like, like Scorsese made this film in the late, mid to late '90s, and uh, it's on the Dalai Lama, and it's, it's it's really biographical, you know. But there there are elements in that movie 
which was being produced by by, by Disney, um, where the, the, the Chinese government didn't like it. Yeah. They didn't like the portrayal of Mao. They didn't like the way their the socialism and communism were being portrayed. So they they reached out to Disney and. Um, what happened is Michael Eisner was, was present at the time. They, they, they didn't kill the movie, but Disney did have a lot of plans in China at the time, and they were very nervous about this. So instead of just killing production, what they did is um, they, they, they finished the movie, but they, they pulled all marketing for it and, and decided they weren't going to distribute it. The movie appeared in two theaters on Christmas Day in the, in the whole country. And, and, and basically, um, Disney made a, a decision said, okay, we're, we're going to, and, and they went and apologized to China for this, for this film. And they said, our, our other financial interests are kind of more important than the, than the integrity of, of our film in this case. And in, we've seen a lot of this in recent years, but I think the reason this story is so interesting, this is the first time we really saw this. And, and China, um, which was thrown around its, its economic power a little bit, leaned on Disney and Disney flinched. And, and, and today you have all the Disney worlds and things in, in China, um, but what you do have is the Chinese Communist Party calling shots like this. And yeah. it's a fascinating story. I, I'd uh, encourage anyone to go on to uh, Fee's YouTube channel and, and check that one out or find the article um, as well, which is on fee.org. Absolutely. And of course, China's have been responsible for uh, changing scenery, changing things that they don't like in, in uh, pictures yeah. that uh, are seen broadly around the United States and around the world. So uh, they have a big influence. And uh, again, Disney and other firms just don't want to upset the t uh, communist Chinese. No, it, it, it's so true, and I get you know Disney was kind of in a bind. They had already invested you know billions of dollars over there, and and to me the real lesson of this you know isn't what what Disney should have done. Now I, I think they got it wrong, but it's sort of the idea that we we can't let government in the first power have so much power where they're going to be dictating to right. to, to to you know private producers and studios. Yeah, you, you can't have this in your film or else. And um, I mean, that's a lesson. But uh, sadly, we we live in that world today where you do have, you know, it's China's not the only one that uh, that leans on companies in this way. Um, and and that is the 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 real lesson to me. When, once government gets this big, that they do want to call shots and, and lean on you in in some ways for for reasons that don't even make a lot of sense. Absolutely. Again, uh, John uh, John Millamore is the editor at large for fee.org. Terrific, robust website. I hope you check out fee.org. John, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks a lot for having me on, Bob. You have a great week. You as well. Thank you, John. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of Murder Mysteries. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Terrific organization. I proudly serve on their board. They know politics and they know policy, and they help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in government. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org, thefga.org. We have with us uh, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's retired now and uh, beautiful uh, uh, Amish Dutch country, and uh, he's writing Murder Mysteries, and they are terrific. His first is Follow the Leader. Its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and its sequel, and his latest, is No Problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's a pleasure, Bob. You know, as being an author, I appreciate the difficulty of marketing a book. You know, we have more college-educated people uh, on the planet than any time in human history, and yet... uh, yeah, book sales aren't so great, you know, compared to the number of educated people we have. So anyway, I, I'm backing into uh, General David Petraeus with a historian, Andrew Roberts, have just written a terrific book called yeah. Conflict. It's the, the evolution of warfare from 1945 to Ukraine. It's, it's $30, which sounds, I mean, it's a 500-page book. That sounds expensive. It's one of the it's the best thirty dollars I've spent in a long time because wow. the book is not only provocative, but it's enlightening, and it presses home why the war in winning the war or helping Ukraine win the war against Russia, and why helping Israel defeat Hamas is so important for our country, and it actually. Uh, might help us avoid a conflict with China. And, and Petraeus's point is, there's nothing glorious about war. You know, when you look at the death and destruction in Ukraine, massive. When you look at the death and destruction in Israel, right. massive. Uh, you don't want to visit that on the United States with a conflict against China over Taiwan. So what you have to do is convince the other side that you have the power and the reach and the weaponry to make a a precipitous move by by a strong country to gobble up a weak country as as just um, not worth the price in, in, in blood and money and equipment. You know, I, I and I like that reasoning. The the problem that I see is right now these conflicts that we're participating in and, and have participated in are drying up all of our resources. Wouldn't it lead China to the opposite conclusion that, hey, uh, right now the United States is using up all of its resources, all of its energy, everything in terms of uh, the conflicts they're in? This just makes it all the more appeasing to go and, and, and attractive to uh, take over Taiwan. Yeah, but the answer is not to spend. <laughs> the the answer is for the Republicans, first of all, <clears throat> to start getting Congress to work again, to appropriate money to the military so we are not behind the curve, because we're learning new lessons in Ukraine, for example, about drones, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, that kind of warfare. The nature of warfare is changing. And so a whole new approach is needed, and that costs money. So we have to fund our military. Uh, The other side of the coin, uh, we're quickly entering a gun-butter economy like we had in the 70s when Lyndon Johnson was president. You you remember what Lyndon Johnson did. He spent heavily on Vietnam, but he also had the Great Society. And that huge amount of what's called stimulus, what it is, caused a decade of ruinous inflation. I don't know about you, but my my youth and my work days were miserable because of that inflation. Oh, yeah. So, so we run the risk. I mean, Joe Biden is on the cusp of handing us a guns and butter economy. So together with appropriating money for the military, we have to have meaningful cuts in spending 
and increases in revenue. Now, increases in revenue don't necessarily mean taxes, as, as any Reaganite knows. Right. Uh, you know, you can cut red tape. You can you can really stimulate growth. You can free the energy sector. Uh, so that's what ideally has to be done. Well, uh, you know what? And I'm on board. Uh, everything you say is absolutely correct. Again, I'm back to resources then. And, and how about our southern border right now? We've got we are being attacked uh, by uh, outsiders. Uh, through our southern border right now, and we're not addressing that issue, but we're more concerned about the borders in Ukraine. Yeah, well, no, we have to uh, do that. In fact, I think Biden recently made a decision based on real, real politic, Henry Kissinger-type diplomacy, which uh, allows Venezuela to produce some oil, and, and then immediately we're shipping refugees back to Venezuela. That's, so so I think Biden is getting the message. Uh, one of the reasons the Venezuelans are coming here is is not merely political oppression, but it's economic oppression. Sure. So so I guess I, I guess the president's reasoning is well, you know, if we if we uh, let them produce some more oil, maybe the economy at home will get better, and these people will think twice about coming here. I have no problem with that approach, but it's not enough. As you point out, the border is still a sieve, and we have to get tougher at the border. And, uh, you know, uh, that's one thing that Trump did well, and, and the president would be um, wise to emulate what Trump did. Well, and I would say also another thing that the president did well is unleash the uh, uh, energy uh, uh, that we have here in the United States, keeping our prices low. I mean, what contributes more to inflation and what's going on than anything just about is uh, our resources and energy. We ought to, uh, you know, this whole, no I must say, Jim, this whole notion about alternative energy sources, I'm all for it, but they don't. it can't solve the problem. You can't replace carbon-based fuel. So we need to get on board, make sure that we're producing our own, not buying it from Argentina, uh, or, or from other places around the world, because the first or the the resources we have here in the United States are more pure and and uh, better burning than uh, what we can get from other countries. Well, I agree with you about producing energy. Um, I'm also in favor of free market solutions yes. to pollution, um, and the president industrial policy. You know choosing, picking winners in EVs. I knew that was destined to fail, right. but I did not realize, I didn't think he'd live to see it, given his age, but it, it's happening today. <laughs> so so this weekend, you know, I went out to um, a Ford lot, because I just happened to be near one, and there are four new Mustang EVs sitting there. Uh, there's nobody, a big car dealer, nobody on the lot, no buyers. Um, nobody wants these cars, and right. not just the Fords, but, you know, they, you know, uh, Elon Musk is reporting lower sales. Yeah. Um, everybody has the cars that nobody wants. Toyota produces a hybrid, and it's gone in 30 seconds. So um, the free market solution is, is the best one. I mean, before, before Biden launched his EV, program. Uh, European companies like Porsche were working on low-polluting gasoline engines that Absolutely. would have solved the problem. Absolutely, Jim. And by the way, I've kind of derailed uh, your conversation about and uh, Petraeus's book. I would appreciate if you repeat the title again, because it sounds very interesting. Yeah, it's an easy title to remember. Conflict. Yes. And it's about the evolution of warfare, warfare from 1945 to Ukraine. It's provocative eye-opening a lot of it is an epiphany to me well it sounds like a very interesting read jim mcday again uh his latest book is no problem i hope you get a copy but it. it's a great murder mystery and fast moving i think you'll enjoy it jim always appreciate your commentary here on the show thank you so much for joining us thank you bob my pleasure indeed well that's a wrap here in today's show i hope you enjoyed it we've got great guests for tomorrow's show as well always appreciate your comments on the show you can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com also, if you enjoy the show, I hope you'll tell your friends. Uh, it's one of the ways we support our advertisers, and we can't do the show without them. 
I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com.